Blessings, this is Pastor Larry Inclan with Living 412. Today we have a very special guest um, that we would like to introduce. Uh, we can uh, call him pastor, we can call him evangelist, we can call him teacher, father, husband. He has the title of all. It's um, a brother, Angel Castro. Say hello to everybody. Blessings, blessings, uh, Pastor Larry and um, all of the audience out there. Uh, it's an honor uh, just to be part of what the Lord is doing uh, with this vision. So uh, thank you, Pastor, for having us. It's truly an honor. Amen. Thank you for being with us. Um, for those that don't know you, I want to uh, give you a moment to, uh, to introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit of, of who you are, um, where you're from, your background, family, etc. Just tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, for those of us who have never heard of us or don't follow closely what the, um, our ministry. So uh, we have been evangelizing um, since the age of 16, believe it or not. Um, I normally don't tend to mention my age, but uh, <laughs> the reason I'm going to mention it now is because it will give you a bit of an understanding of how long we have been doing this thing of evangelism. So I'm 38 years old right now. So for the last 22 years, the Lord has called us to just, you know, spread the message of the good news um, and just bring the message of salvation. Um, the last, I would say, three years, we've slowly but surely have transitioned into the role of, um, of pastorship. Right now, we are currently the associate pastors of um of International House of Restoration based out of Revere, Massachusetts, which is close to Boston. They're like 10 minutes away from Boston. My father-in-law uh, church is up there and we go bi-weekly up there just to help out with um, leadership, um, preaching on Sundays and on Fridays, you know, we deal with the youth out there. Uh, so we've been doing that um, since September. The Lord transitioned us in September to do that. And uh, we are working as resource pastors with about, I would say, two or three churches uh, where, you know, we go and uh, we help the pastor out in whatever capacity. So it's been an honor. Um, it's been an, an, an honor and it's been an interesting ride, you know, transitioning from an evangelist to a pastor. Uh, but, you know, uh, we know that we're walking on the word the Lord gave us. Um, and that's what we're doing. Um, currently, I am married. Uh, with three boys, I have. I feel like I have three generations in, in my house. I have a soon-to-be 18-year-old um, who will be 18 in February. I have a soon-to-be 10-year-old. He will be 10 in August, and then I have a soon-to-be three-year-old. He will be three in May. So I have three boys, um, and the Lord was able to grant us um, a desire. Uh, so we, my wife is currently pregnant. She's three and a half months pregnant. And finally, the girl is on her way. We're having a girl. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. God is good, Pastor. God is good. Yes. My wife and I were ecstatic. Uh, so that's it, though. So we're going to have um, another um, child. So it'll be four. And um, yes, for those of you who are, con who are asking the questions in your mind, the factory is officially closed. So we're closing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice way to close it, though. You finally get the, uh, the desire of your heart. And uh, we pray for um, a healthy baby, a strong baby, and a, um, a spirit-filled baby. Amen. All right. So in, uh, in getting right to the program, um, 
So right now we're in the middle of our 21 day fast and prayer. Um, I know many churches uh, like to do it at the beginning of the year. I think it's a wonderful thing to do to set the pace for what's coming, whether it be good or bad, you know, in the coming year. And I always like to say that because uh, we always only focus on the bad things that could happen. But there are so many good things that could happen that you also need to be prepared for. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the agenda could be so full that it could be overwhelming. Sometimes an influx of people coming into the church can be overwhelming or a decrease can be overwhelming. So I like to say both aspects. We, we want to get spiritually ready for anything that the year may throw at us. Uh, whether it's good or bad. And in that conversation or in that context, when I reached out to you, I said, hey, you know, what would be a couple of good um, subjects that we can talk about in the midst of all of this? And uh, we, we agreed on speaking about um, a healing moment for Jesus, uh, um, a moment where he's, it seems like he's on a hot streak, right? He's on this hot streak of healing, and it's like, uh, you know, like they say now, like a revival of healing or a una campaña de healing. Like he just was doing it and, and he didn't care who was watching. He did not care whether it was uh, the Sabbath. He did not care. He was just about the people as we should be. Right. And, and um, we, we get into this case in, in, uh, in Mark 5 where uh, I'll let you get into it, but I, I just want to at least put it out there. We get into this case in Mark 5 that is that it's very eye opening and um, very applicable to our lives. And uh, I'll let you take the floor now. No, yeah, you know, it's 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 one of for me uh, on a personal level, it's one of my favorite um, sermons to preach about um, uh, j just because we we see the. Um, we see the faith of a man. Um, and even though he was under a lot of distress and a lot of stress, you know, because his only daughter, um, you know, was in that condition that she found herself in, um, we see a, a man of faith in the midst of distress, you know. And sometimes I think that people, when they see someone stressed, they automatically say, well, you know, if you're stressing, you have no faith, you know. Mm. But um, just because you're stressing or worried about a situation does not mean you don't have faith, you know? It's, you know, I, 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 I feel like sometimes we, we tend to be out of touch with these emotions God placed in us, right? We get angry, we get frustrated, we get happy, we get sad, you know? So we are allowed to, to react on what we're feeling. Uh, but there has to come a time where after you've gone through your moment of feeling what you're feeling, you have to move on to faith, you know? And sometimes we allow our, um, it's, it's not wrong to react, but how long will you react? So if I'm stressed about a situation momentarily, it's okay to be stressed momentarily, but there has to come a time where you have to say, okay, you know what? I've reacted to the situation. Now I have to move on into faith. Um, so this is a very interesting story. Um, just because we see a man um, who he was a ruler of a synagogue, um, he was a holy man. He's he was one that believed in God, um, but in the while, while everything was going right, there was this one thing that was going wrong. I don't know if anybody has ever felt where everything is going right. I got the job of my dreams. I got the wife of my dreams. I got the family of my dreams. I got the house of my dream, but there's this one situation where it just came out of left field. You know, I I, I if 
if I can speak about this for, for a moment, you know, back in March of 2020, everything was going great. Life was going great. And then out of nowhere, this pandemic came. This one thing that we've been dealing with for almost three years is that is that can be that Jairus's daughter moment. Like everything is going right. And then there's just, there's, there's just one thing that's not going right. Um, and um, it, it's, it's just a very um, interesting story. So, um, are you know so pastor are, are we going back and forth on the story or yeah we-, we can go back and forth but flow go ahead don't worry no so you know um it's and, and, and i'm just getting it here you know ready it's a it's a very um interesting story because you know it, the the bible specifically um in, in mark chapter five you know if if you can just you know go there with me if whoever the whoever is going to follow along um well, you, know, you said matthew to, five yeah i'm sorry mark Mark chapter five. Yeah, Mark five. Um, and I'm going to be reading out of the, the ESV version, you know. Um, so, you know, it, it starts off um, in verse 21 of Mark chapter five. And it says here has when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great, co- a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Um, one of the things that 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 captures my attention um, is the the measures Jesus had to take just to get to this place. He was in one side of the sea and he had to get to the other side of the sea. And for those of you who are hearing this right now, I want, I want you to understand that Jesus will take drastic measures just to get to where you are at. I'm going to say that right. once again, he will cross rivers and seas and oceans just to get to the, to, just to where you are at. So whatever situation you find yourself in, Jesus is going to take the drastic measures to get to where your situation is. And I think that sometimes what frustrates us as human beings or as believers is we feel that Jesus didn't come quickly enough. Mm. Or we feel that Jesus came late or he came late or he came early. And I want you to understand that when it comes to time, time doesn't control Jesus. Time doesn't control God, but God controls the time. You know, so God is not subjected under time. God is not controlled by time, but time is controlled by God. So I, I, I love like the prelude to the whole story, Pastor, because, you know, it, the author, he made it his business to, 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 to inform us that Jesus has crossed again into the boat to the other side and a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside. So it's. So he had to get from one place to the other. And then it opens up in verse 22 um, that it says, and then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by, his, by name, seeing him and he fell at his feet. Um, we can say that Jairus fell at his feet because he had faith. We can say Jairus fell at his feet because it was a form of worship. It can just be simply that he fell at his feet because we see here that for a moment, he put his title to the side. I'm not coming to you as a ruler of the synagogue. I'm not coming to you as a leader. I'm coming to you as a father who is in dire need. My daughter, there's a situation. I'm coming to you as a father. So I feel, Pastor, that this is just my personal opinion, that when he fell at his feet, it was a father in desperate need. Exactly. Of, uh, is there anything that Jesus can do for him? Yeah. Yeah, That uh, that is exactly what I what I get when I read that when he fell at his feet, you know, it's not something where you just bow down to the master. It, you're, you're, you're at your end. You know, it's, it's, 
it's a desperate call for help. And he's recognizing who is in front of him, which is what I love. He didn't bow down to someone else. He is recognizing who Jesus is and humbling himself in his situation. And in the next verse on 23, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but it goes along with what we're saying that he says he pleaded earnestly with him. When you plead, that's, that's uh, you're begging, you're asking, you're, you're out of words. You know, you're, you're at the moment, at a breaking point. Like I plead with you, intervene. And I, I love that. And, and he just, the, he's showing the emotion of a father. And like you said, we have those moments where we're going to feel that the stress is overwhelming, that the hurt is overwhelming, that the, uh, the, the case that you're going through or the issue that you're going through is just too much to bear. And Jairus is giving you the example of what to do. You need to submit and fall to the fit of Jesus and plead with him. And I, I love that. That was, that's amazing that, that they took that, that intent to specifically write that, to, to give you that picture of what we should do when we're at that breaking point. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, Pastor, you know, I, I try to put myself, you know, in his shoes, or let's just, let's just even talk now, you know? Um, so, like, even us, right, when we go to, like, a doctor's office or we're in a, an emergency room or we're in, in some type of medical office, right, um, what's one of the things that we mostly do all the time and you know and and one of the things that we mostly do <clears throat> all the time is we have to wait <laughs> and i think that one of the most annoying things <clears throat> excuse me when we when we're when we're at the doctor's office is the waiting period right but then of course right when you're right in the room right you're waiting one of the things that that is required is patience you know, and I think that one of the most frustrating things is when you're waiting for the doctor to come in or for them, you know, to call your name. Um, and I believe that at times it's, it's hard to have patience, especially when you know that someone in your family is going through a situation and it's, you know, and they're going through um, a dire need. But, but one of the interesting things is that even though we're frustrated, one of the reasons we go to the doctor's office is because we have faith that the person on the other side of the door can help you or your family member get well, right? Yes. So sometimes the frustrating thing, and I have to say, because I've been there, one of the first, most frustrating things when it comes to, to waiting on God is that God, you know, we want it done now. Like it has to be now, 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 and we're waiting, right? We, we, we hear stories and scriptures about people having to wait, right? We hear about the, the sisters of, of Lazarus, that they went, they sent a messenger, listen, your friend, your brother, he's dying, and he stood two more days, that waiting period. But I want, I want us to understand that in the waiting period that we're waiting for God to do something, patience is required. And the last time I checked my Bible in the book of Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. But, you know, I, I, you know the Bible says that the trial produces patience. Yes, Dice que la prueba o la tribulación produce paciencia. So it's, it's, we, we have to understand that whatever it is you're going through, crisis, storm, sickness, it's supposed to produce patience in you. Um, so we see here this man, Jairus, who knows how long, Pastor, he was waiting at the shore for this boat to come. Maybe word got to him like, yo, Jesus' boat is about to drop on the shore. Who knows how many days? For weeks he was there waiting, 
but we see that the moment that the boat of Jesus gets to shore, he throws himself at the feet. And like you said, he implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well again and live. So it was getting to the point where she either passed away already or she was about to die. And the Bible says, and I love verse 24, and he went with him and a great crowd followed him right and it, it looks like they 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 were so close to him now one of the things and now this is just my personal opinion the bible doesn't say this but one of the things i love about scriptures is like i like to imagine myself there mm -hmm. uh theologians believe that this was um the and and, and i believe in other passages i believe this was the only daughter of this man um and i believe that when jesus heard that this was the only child of this man called Jairus, Jesus put himself in the same situation and say, hold up, this is the only child of this man. I am the only child of my father. And there's going to come a time where my father is going to have to turn his face away from me because he's going to see the sins of the world upon me and I'm going to die. And for a split moment, my God, there is nothing he can do to save me. He has to let me die because if I don't die, salvation will not come to this world. So Jesus, I believe, found himself in a situation where he's like, there's going to come a time where my father is not able to do anything. I don't want this man to feel that either. So I'm going to go to his house. And I'm going to go there and do something about this situation. Um, and the Bible says that Jesus knocks at the door. And if we open the door, he will come inside and he will have a feast yes. with us. So today, for those of you who are hearing the podcast or who are hearing the radio station, are we, do we have enough faith to reach out to God and say, God, I tried everything possible. Nothing has worked. Right. And it's interesting because sometimes we look at God as a last resort when God shouldn't be a last resort. God should be our first, first and only option. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and I love what happens. And, and I think uh, one of the <laughs> titles that we could even give to this is in the in between. Because you, as you keep reading, you see what happens in the in between. So we, we have a moment right now of waiting period. Just like you said, what do you do when you're in the lobby waiting for the doctor to call you in? Right? Right now, this, this is when, once you get to 24, now you go into that moment of in between where Jesus went with him, but then it fast forwards or it continues to the story of another issue. So it's like you're watching a program and you got interrupted by another program. We bring you this news. <laughs> And now it continues by saying that a large crowd was following him and they, they were so many that it pressed against them. They, they, he was basically surrounded by people. And now it says there's another woman. There's a woman that has an issue with uh, subject, you know, yeah. the subject of, of, of bleeding for 12 years. So I'm like, wait a minute. Why did you just switch the story on me? What happened to Jairus' daughter, you know? <laughs> Uh, and, and this is the moment of the in-between. Can you picture the father walking with Jesus and now this woman with the issue of blood gets presented where 
her desperation, her need, her breaking point. She's like, I've had it. I don't know what else to do, but I heard the master is in town. I'm going to reach out to him. So we put the the story of Jairus on hold for a moment. As a father, I'm like, wait, Jesus, wait a minute. My daughter, you're supposed to be coming with me with my daughter. But in the in-between, Jesus is still healing. Jesus has this moment or this interaction with a woman that in her desperate moment just seeks out to the father, well, to, to, to Jesus and says, there's nothing else I can do by my own means, by my own finances, by my own, I can't take emergency for this. No NyQuil is going to fix this. Tylenol is not going to fix this. I've tried it all. I need Jesus. And she just wants to place herself in the proximity of Jesus. And that's what we have to do sometimes where we just have to get close enough that we can get close to him and say, I am here. I'm I'm steps away. I'm reaching. He didn't touch her. The scripture doesn't say that he touched her, but her faith in just simply being in proximity of Jesus. And that's what we fail to do sometimes in our situations, whether it's finances, health, whatever it is. Bring it close to Jesus. It's easy to say for us as believers, right? Um, You had, you said what, 20 something years in the gospel. I have maybe 15, 16 years in the gospel. If you told me 20 years ago, bring it to Jesus, I don't know what that means. I don't know. And how do you explain that to people that are not believers? How do you explain that to people that don't know or don't have that relationship with Jesus? Right? And this is the example, to me at least. This woman that, it doesn't say what her upbringing was. It doesn't say whether she's rich or poor. It doesn't say you know, how much she spent, it says she's been subject to 12 years of suffering under care of doctors, many doctors. But it, it grew worse and worse. But it got to a breaking point where it's like, I have nothing else left. I heard that this man is in town. I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I just want to share that brief little intermission of the story with you because if you're listening and you're going through something yes, and you've had the resources and it didn't help the doctors and it didn't help the pills and it didn't help the alcohol. It didn't help the drugs. It didn't help. Nothing is going to heal you or fix you like the man named Jesus. If you just say, you know what? I've tried it all. I've tried by my own strength. I tried by things that are good for me, things that are bad for me. I tried with finances and nothing is giving me the healing or the peace or the, any, whatever it is, the, whatever area it is in your life that you need. I just say, you know what? Get in proximity of Jesus like this woman did. Just get in a position where you are close enough. I'm not saying have a relationship right now. You don't know what that is. Just get close enough. What does that mean? Go to church. Try it. Whether it's a home-based church, whether it's a, a, a building, whether it's a friend that wants to sit with you at a coffee shop and talk to you about Jesus. That is called being in proximity. Just place yourself in a position where you're close enough to touch the master. And I love that they, they, they put this the in-between, the moment of Jesus going with Jairus and the moment where he finally gets to the house. Jesus is still working. Jesus is still healing. But it took the faith of a woman at her desperate moment to say, I'm going to Jesus. No, and, and, and you know... That there's a quote. I mean, I'm not. I'm not quoting it. It's me. I've heard this quote before. I can't recall who said it, but it said, 
if God just finished blessing your neighbor, that just means he's around the neighborhood. Mm. That means that that means you probably are next for your miracle. So if God just finished blessing someone who's next to you or your neighbor, eso indica, it, it only indicates that he's around the neighborhood, you know? But it's a very interesting thing, Pastor, because what do we do? What do we do when miracle, when a miracle is about to hit your house, a healing is about to hit your house, a blessing is about to hit your house, but there's an interruption, mm. you know? And sometimes God, God causes interruptions to see your reaction to the interruption. You know, it's, it's you know, Jairus was in dire need, right? If we were to, if, if we were to compare the need of Jairus or, 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 or what Jairus's daughter was going through versus what the woman was going through, or, you know, we, we can say that the Jairus's daughter's situation was more important, you know, mm-hmm. but it, it's, 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 um, it's very interesting because an, an, an interruption occurred and Jesus says, who touched me, right? And Jairus may have wondered why was G, why was Jesus delaying, right? He, it probably it probably popped in his mind. And sometimes we feel God is delayed, Jesus is delayed, this miracle is delaying, this healing is delaying, and and his daughter's need was life and death. It was life threatening. Why the delay for a second order issue? Esto esto algo secundario. Esto esto no es algo importante. Mi situación es más importante que, but I noticed because I, one of the things I noticed is Jairus could have automatically said, Jesus, what are you doing? Are, are you, are we really stopping here? But it's, it, I, I, again, we see the faith of this man where he could have said, I know you're not about to heal this woman and my daughter not get the healing first. I know you're not about to hit this woman's house with a blessing and not my house first. No, we, we see that he still, he still remained patient. Right uh, now, now Jesus stops his journey. He looks around. He waited until a little lady came out of the crowd and literally fell at his feet. Her body was trembling all over with fear. In response to Jesus's question, she gathered every ounce of her energy and poured out to him the whole story of the long-term anguish and suffering. And you know why Jesus says, "Who has touched me?" Jesus is basically saying, "Look, look, look. I'm I'm used to placing my hands." declaring the healing and if we can say this someone stole a healing before time someone didn't wait for my instructions for healing someone did not wait for my directive to be healed someone was such in desperate need that they said i'm not waiting for jesus to touch me i'm going to get to him am i speaking to somebody today who says god you know what I've waited long enough. I prayed long enough. I fasted long enough. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know, I know you're, I know you're on your way to me, but I, if I can meet you halfway, I'm going to meet you halfway. I'm going to get close to where you are at. One of the interesting things about the story is this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. Jairus's daughter was 12 years old. Basically at the moment that Jairus's daughter was born, her issue started. Hmm. And here we see that now her daughter, Jairus's daughter is in, is 12 years old, basically in the seventh grade. This woman has been 12 years dealing with this situation. And Jesus says, wait a minute, you know, I have to, I have to deal with this woman first, but pastor, could it be, 
that while in the journey along the way to Jairus' daughter, thou creep in and said, your daughter is dead. There's possibly no way Jesus is going to do anything. And Jesus says, Jairus, I'm going to show you that I'm going to deal with this woman's situation. You're going to see healing firsthand. And I bet you that when Jairus, Jairus saw Jesus heal this woman, without Jesus even touching this woman, he said, hold up. If Jesus was able to do this for this woman, my God, what is he about to do in my house? Yes. Yes, yes. So sometimes, again, if, G if Jesus was able to heal someone, uh, he healed your neighbor, get ready because that just indicates that Jesus is in, the, is in the neighborhood and your house is next. Yeah, and, and I want to give you two points off of this that you just mentioned. With this woman with the issue of blood, it was not common for a woman in that situation to be out in public. Mm. They considered them unclean. They considered them unholy. They considered them separate from society. So for this woman, knowing her issue, to go out in public in her desperation, she said, I'm willing to risk it all for Jesus. So she knew what she was up against. And the thing is, it took additional faith to step out and say it was me. Because when Jesus asked, who touched me? If they found out that this was a woman with an issue of blood, society was not going to treat her well. But she was bold enough to say, I am here because I need you, Jesus. My situation needs you. So she was bold. And you have to be bold in your situation when you're crying out to Jesus. You have to say, I am here for you, Jesus. I need you. Don't be soft about it. Don't be scared about it. Say, I need you. And, yes. and, and stand firm on that declaration that I need Jesus because everything else has failed. The other part that I get is that as soon as we see all this happen, you keep reading a little bit that it says that, um, you know, Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in, go in peace, right? The next verse in 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus and they said, your daughter's dead. There's going to be people that are going to be chirping in your ear saying your situation is not fixable. Your marriage is not fixable. Your health, you're never going to lose that weight. You're never going to be as thin as you want to be. And your, your job is not going to be successful. That's a dead-end job. Your business is not going to grow. There's going to be people that are going to be chirping in your ear about how dead your situation is. But your faith has to be bigger than that. Your faith has to be like, like, like Pastor Castro just said, wait a minute. If Jesus just did this with this woman, he can do it with my daughter. If Jesus was able to fix this financial bankruptcy with, with my cousin or my brother or my, you know, my neighbor and they fixed the bankruptcy and now they're buying homes and businesses. Or if, if this person uh, had diabetes and now is exercising, eating right and no longer is considered a diabetic um, uh, danger. If he could do it with that person, Jesus could do it with me. So let the naysayers say whatever they want to say. You say, my Jesus is bigger than my situation. Amen. So I hope you guys are listening to that. Don't get stuck by the people that are chirping in your ear with the negativity. Jesus is bigger than that. You know, and, and, 
And you know what, Pastor? It's it's you know just to add up a little bit, add on to that. You know, whose report are you going to believe? That's right. What man says, or God's report? You know, it, it says here that she has suffered much under many physicians, right? And, and she has spent everything she had, and it was the situation was getting worse. You know what this means? This woman was was knocking on doors. And every single door she was going to, the situation was getting worse. And one day she says, I have to, I have to knock on another door. And this door is different. The Bible says, Jesus says that he is the door. And one day when she knocked on this door, she received her healing. You know, yes. the Bible says after she received her healing, I, I, I love verse 34. It says here, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He called her daughter. He called her daughter. And when Jairus must have, well, this is just like, me, when what? he heard the word daughter, he's like, hold up. He called her daughter. He healed her daughter. He's about to heal my daughter. Like, like That's right. there, there, there's no questions. There is no doubt in my mind that what Jesus just finished doing with this daughter, he doesn't even know this woman. He called her daughter. He said, your, your faith has made you heal. Hold up. I have the prerequisites for this miracle. He yes. calls her daughter. I have a daughter. He says, your faith has made you well. I have faith. If I had no, faith, if I had no faith, why in the world am I coming to get you? So, so he says, I have the prerequisites for this miracle. And um, sometimes um, the interruption is, is not an interruption. It's God showing you what I did for this person. I'm about to do for your house as well. So sometimes the miracle, you know, it, the miracle you're waiting for is, is God is basing it on the attitude you have when it comes to someone else. Mm. You know, uh -huh. uh, you know, uh, God, God is not about to bless and do a miracle in your house if your attitude is not right. So Jairus's attitude, you know, was... Wow, you know, he, he he didn't stop me from doing this miracle. He wasn't he wasn't upset. He stood there, waited patiently for someone else to get their miracle. So now I'm about to do this in his house. So I just found that interesting in verse 34 that he had called her daughter, and he was on the way to the the house where Jairus's daughter was going through this situation. Yeah, that that's that's so good. That's so amazing. Um, and then. As you keep reading, mm -hmm. again, the people keep on. Why bother the teacher anymore? Yeah. In other words, give up. Give up. Like, you just saw a miracle, but you're asking me to give up. You just saw that this woman got healed. She was called daughter. She is healed, but you're telling me to give up. Um, <laughs> but then it says in 36 that overhearing... What they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. We should put that on a shirt. We should put that on our bumper stickers. I mean, just don't be afraid. Just believe. What do you have to lose? Yeah. It, 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 you, you, do you know what it is, Pastor, to hear your daughter is dead? It, it might have it might have been a gut-wrenching -wrench, gut feeling at that moment. But I want to ask someone today. What has someone tell you that died? Is it is mm. it the ministry God gave you? Is it the, the gift, the talent, that something die? Is it your business? 
you know, and again, Pastor, I, I, you know, I, 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 I want to echo what you said, you know, you know, you're going to hear a lot of chirping going around and a lot of reports of people, but whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe the diagnosis of men or are you going to believe the results of Jesus? Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and I really hold on to that. Uh, just an example. You know, my marriage was completely broken, you know, and if I if I continue to listen to people um, instead of Jesus, um, we wouldn't be here. If my wife had continued to listen to, you know, people herself, then it, we wouldn't be here. So I, I, I definitely received that as a testimony that, you know, we could be afraid. What if it happens again? What if it doesn't come out the way I expect? What if Jesus is not on time? What if, what if it's too late? And the Lord says, just believe. You know, just believe, just have faith. Um, it, it's, not, it's not the end. You know, there's still hope. There is still uh, more that you can do. There is still a turnaround. There's still a financial blessing. There's still a healing waiting. There's still uh, a, a report that says one thing, but God's report says another. We've had stories after stories where doctors are astonished that what they saw in their reports is no longer there after the next test. We've seen it. We've heard it. There have been movies about it uh, based on true stories where the report said one thing, but God said another. So it's not the end. You have to just put that aside as hard as it sounds. I can't picture it. I can't picture someone telling me my daughter is dead. And for me to have that faith at that moment to, to, to say, Lord, you know, I believe you. I, I'll be honest with you, uh, Pastor. I, like, I, I'll, I'll be shook. I, I'll be trembling. I'll be in fear. I'll be like, please don't tell me this is my daughter. How do I react in that moment? Oh, God forbid. I, I don't know. But I have to remember these words. I just need to believe. I just need to believe. That is so amazing. Um, one of the questions that my, my wife actually, we were reading this yesterday, and one of the questions my wife asked me is, have you ever thought about how there was some instances where Jesus wanted people to know whether it was a miracle or not, or that something happened, he healed, and then there was other moments that he said, don't tell anyone. Yes. Right? And it's so curious to me how... In some moments, yeah, everybody needs to know this. And in other moments, don't say. And, and it, it goes back to God's timing again, yes. right? Uh, if you read in 37, it says, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. He did not let anyone follow. So it's not for you guys to see. It's not for the crowd to be watching. It's not for everybody's eyes. It, he wanted his disciples close to him. He said, I'm going to show you something. I need you in proximity of this because you're going to push this forward, right? And it says, when, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing loud. Now, again, I, I'm a visual person. I like to place myself in the situations, like you said, and I can't imagine entering my home it, at this moment where my family and friends and the closest people around me are crying because my daughter has passed. And I'm entering this home as a broken father, but I'm also walking in with the master. I'm walking in with faith. I'm walking in with living hope. So it's such a conflicting atmosphere that you're reading right here. 
Jesus sees the commotion and, and people are crying and wailing loudly. And then he says, why all this commotion and wailing? What do you mean, Jesus? Do you not know? Like, she's dead. The child is dead. Jairus' daughter is dead. What do you mean? Why are we crying and wailing? Yes. You know, and, and our situation sometimes blinds us from seeing what God can do. From having that faith that we need to have when we're close or in proximity of Jesus. And we're so fixated on, on the issues that we don't see God working. We don't see God doing or providing. And he just says the child's not dead, just asleep. Mm. And, and, and it says he saw the commotion and, and, and it, it, he, he basically w was, was saying, if I can just say this, there's too much distractions in this house. Mm. And I have to get them. I have to, I have to remove all this commotion, all this loud noise. I, I have to remove it from the house because this is what's, what is, this is one of the, the, one of the things that is going to stop me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, you know, probably in the house, there was a, there was an atmosphere of death, a word of death was being spoken, uh, you know, and Jesus said, no, 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 no. I have to remove all of the commotion out the way, all of this weeping, all of this loud noise. I have to remove it out the way. And I ask you today, what is the commotion or the distraction that is in the way of what Jesus wants to do. La Biblia dice que Jesús despidió a la gente que estaban en la casa. Yes. Hoy tú tienes que tomar una decisión. Tú tienes que despedir todo lo que está interrumpiendo lo que Dios quiere hacer. Whatever it is that you have, that is interrupting what God wants to do, God is saying you have to dismiss it today. You 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 have to dismiss it, and and then you know, and then he when, once he dismisses everything, he he, he's like, the child is not dead. And it's interesting because here is Jesus declaring a word of, of life. The child is not dead. And they laughed at him. See, that's what happens when you have commotion and distractions. It laughs at what God wants to do. Come on. It laughs at it. And God is saying everything that is opposing what I want to do, everything that is laughing at what I want to do, it has to be removed in Jesus' name. And he put them, he put in verse 40, and they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. Can, can, can I say, I'm, 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 if I can just some way turn this into a Bible of 2022, he kicked them out. That's right. He kicked them out. There, 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 there are certain relationships, come on, there are certain friendships, there are certain things, distractions that need to be kicked out because it's stopping what God wants to do in your life. And he says he put them all outside and he took the child's father, he took the child's mother, and those who were with him, and he went in where the child was. And God is saying, look, I remove all of the, I've removed every single distraction out the way. Now it's just you and me. Let's go to the situation. And they took him where the child was. And then we get into verse 41, Pastor. And by taking, taking her, by the hand, he said to her, Talita Kumi, which we all know, little girl, I say to you, arise. It's funny, not even funny, it's interesting, Pastor, because he doesn't tell her, um, he, he, he doesn't 
He doesn't say, he says arise. He doesn't say resurrect. He says arise. In other words, she's just sleeping, right? Because if something is dead, I'm not going to tell it to get up. I have to first tell it, I have to first say resurrect. Mm -hmm. He said arise, meaning I told you she was just sleeping. Something that's sleeping doesn't have to be resurrected. It, ha it has to be, it has to be given, it has to be given the word to get up. So again, people are speaking, whatever it is that someone is speaking over your life, they may be speaking death. And God is saying, I told you it wasn't dead. I told you it was just sleeping. So I asked you today, audience, what is sleeping in your life that needs to be waking up? But pastor, let's just say for the sake of, let's just say for the sake of argument, someone is, is believing the word of death. I, want, I came to speak to someone and I came to tell you, when you are in Christ, you always come out winning. Lo que están en Cristo siempre ganan. Because Jesus is like, okay, if she's dead, I'm going to resurrect her. And if she's sleeping, I'm going to wake her. So whether <laughs> I resurrect you or whether I waking you, you're still going to get up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It reminds me of... Um of the man that was trying to get into the pool all the time and no, he had no one to help him, right? And Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute. I've been here all this time. Imagine other people listening to him. Like, uh -huh. how are you going to tell him? He's here every single day. Again, the people chirping. How are you going to tell him to get up? All he said was get up and walk. That's it. But the question was before that, do you want to get well? And that is the question. The father had enough faith to know that the master can heal. He went to him knowing this is what I want for my daughter. I want her to live. And in order for her to live, I need the master. I need her to be healed. This man that couldn't get into the pool, standing day by day, waiting for somebody just to dip him in the water, put his feet in the water. And all he needed was to say, yes, I want to get well, then get up and walk. Those were the simple words. Get your mat, walk. In this case, what was it? Little girl, I say to you, get up. Yes. What is your situation today? The Lord is saying, get up. You're struggling with your finances? Get up. Let's start looking at your account. Where can you cut some of these things? Maybe you don't need that extra cup of Starbucks. Let's cut this down. It's there. It is already there. I want to I share something really fast, and I'm getting into the message for Sunday. But there was a woman that had very little oil left in her house. Yes. But she had something. And she was instructed to go to her neighbors to get empty vessels. Again, we're talking about proximity. Again, we're talking about your surroundings. But something that was already in the house, whether it was a little bit or whether it was a lot, in this case, it says she only had a little bit of oil left. She needed empty vessels to be able to pour that oil. And it's, the scriptures tell us in 2 Kings that that oil kept filling vessel after vessel after vessel after vessel. And I want to share that with you today because the little bit of faith that you have today 
will overflow from your generation to the next generation, from your friend to your friend's friend, from your uncle to your brother to your cousins, and it's going to be overflowing in blessings if you just simply say, I need you, Master. I need you, uh, Holy Spirit. I need you, Lord, because my situation I cannot fix, but you can just like you did with this woman with the 12 years of uh, issue of blood. You did it with the 12-year-old little girl. You did it with the man by the pool. You did it with the man that had no sight. You did it with every situation I read. You've done it, so why should I doubt? Why should I believe that report instead of your report that you've given us and time and time again has been proven and, and the testimonies keep flying in, not only about what we read in the scriptures from over 2,000 years ago, but stories and testimonies of what God is doing today yes. because he's still the same. He's still healing, he's still loving, and he's still challenging you to simply have faith and believe. Amen, Pastor. And you know, if, 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 if there's one more thing I can say about this story, I love verse 42. And immediately, yes, the girl got up. Porque lo que Dios hace tiene que ser inmediato. Come on. Y tú sabes que es Dios cuando pasa inmediatamente. You know it's God when it happens immediately. It, it doesn't say five minutes later. It doesn't say the next day. It said, and immediately the girl got up and began walking. There is a word that the Lord has released over your life. That word is get up. That word is arise. And I come to speak over your finances, over your family, over whatever situation that you thought was dead or sleeping. When mm -hmm. God releases the word, I came to tell someone today, immediately it has to happen. You know, I, I love that story in the book of Acts. I believe it's chapter three. The Bible says that when Peter and John were on their way to the temple, The Bible says that, you know, they told the man, look, I, I don't have any gold or silver, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I tell you, get up and walk. And I, I, it's, it's interesting. The Bible says the man, <laughs> the, he leaped. Yes. My man, my man probably had, a, he had a vertical leap of, I don't know, he had a vertical leap of 40 <laughs> inches. The Bible said it leaped. It, he didn't slowly get up. It was a Jordan leap. He, he leaped up. So whatever word the Lord has released over your life, I came to tell you that 2022 cannot be, has, it cannot be what 2021 was or 2020. This is a year where God says, get up and things have to happen in the name of Jesus immediately. Yes, amen. And then when it happens, do like that lame beggar did in the book of Acts. You get up and you tell the world. Just like everybody was astonished in that room in Jairus's house, everyone says everyone was astonished. The same beggar that 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 Pastor um, Castro was just talking about, and you read in, in, in Acts three, the scriptures say that he got up, he leaped, he went to tell everybody. The same way the woman at the well that Jesus interacted with, she ran back to town to town to tell everybody about this interaction with Jesus. So when this happens. When the miracle happens, when the, when the change happens, when the marriage is restored, when, when your home is healed, when your finances are, are healed, don't keep that to yourself. This is where you say proud and boldly, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. He fixed it. He saved my marriage. And you keep on because this is how we keep the legacy of who this is in our life. You know, I, I don't want my legacy 
to be written in scripture. I want the legacy of who Jesus is in my life to be written. I want, I want to show that as my testimony, that I believed enough that my marriage could be restored. That is going to be the legacy that we leave behind, that we were believers to the point that we allowed him to actually work in our lives. Not believers that folded under pressure. Believers that said, you know what? I allowed Jesus. I, I let him come into my house and he conquered. Let that be the, the testimony that you pass forward on and on to generations. Amen. And you know, Man. who, you know, at the end of the day, who withholds good news? That's I don't it. know about you, but when I have good news, I, I'm dying to share it with somebody. <laughs> I, I, you know, I normally go to my wife or my kids. I'm sharing. And this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message of the good news. So why are we withholding the good news from the world? So go out there and let the people, you know, and people say, well, I got in common to be a preacher. Okay, maybe he didn't call you, but, the, but, but you have some good news to share. What did God do in your marriage? What did he do in your family? What did he do in your house, in your business, in your finances? Someone needs to hear the message of the good news, you know? So at the end of the day, you know, if God has done something good in your life, I implore you, I challenge you, this may this be the year where you go out there and you share the good works and the good news of what God has done over your life. Amen. Amen. Wow. This, this has been amazing. I, I loved every second of it. I know if we, uh, <laughs> if we really uh, keep going, it'll, it'll get dark. This is so much fun. I love uh, talking about the word and um, it's been a blessing for me. I know it'll be a blessing for everyone that is listening. Ah, uh, man, how do you close um, to something like this? It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but the, the closing words is just forget the stress, forget the worry. Um, just believe. Yes. Just believe, like he said. Um, before we, we, we end the program, why don't you uh, tell everyone, uh, Pastor Castro, how they can find you? Uh, just so that you, you know he is, like he said, an evangelist. He does go out and preach the word of God. He does accept invitations. Um, he does... Um, love to to in, invest his time into people one of the things i was sharing with him before was that one of my uh favorite people to listen to is john maxwell and and he he's big on that word value and um he encourages us to be able to be people that add value to other people and i i can boldly say that brother castro is definitely one of those people that if you have close or in proximity of, let's stay, let's stay with that word, uh, in proximity of, will add value to your ministry, to your life. Um, so reach out and how can they find you? Amen, Pastor. Once again, you know, truly an honor to be part of, of, of what God is doing with you guys down there uh, with the podcast, the radio station, and, you know, um, and the church as well. Um, for the, uh, you can find us um, in, in, we have... Um, couple of social medias we have our youtube channel you can just type in angel castro ministries um and you can subscribe to our channel we're always uploading videos every week uh, we have uh two facebook pages we have my personal page which is just angel castro and we have our ministry page where you can find us at angel castro ministries and also you can find us on instagram simply just put angel castro and a couple of underscores and um, our, our name should pop up as well so um again you know it's an an honor to serve um 
and just an honor to be a blessing to many. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Um, we have uh, one minute. Let's do this. Let's just close in prayer. Uh, Brother Castro, if you could just lead us out in prayer. If everyone, uh, anyone that's listening wants to reach out to us, you could uh, find us at uh, facebook.com backslash HC Vineland. That's Home Church Vineland. Uh, we also have an Incline Ministries page. That's all you have to do, backslash Incline Ministries on Facebook. Um, our email, inclineministries06 at gmail.com. We're here for prayer requests. We're here for a cup of coffee, a conversation, a couple of tears, whatever it is that you need, we're here. Amen. So, uh, Brother Castro, if you would just lead us out in prayer. And I thank you very much for your time. This has been amazing, and I'd love to do it again. It's Amen. been an honor. Yes, yes, we would love to do this again. I, I love breaking bread, um, especially, you know, when it comes to just, you know, stories like this. So it's, it's an honor. Um, I let, let us pray, you know, wherever you're hearing this at right now, we just want to release a word over your life in prayer. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we just thank you. We thank you for this, this time in your presence. We thank you, Lord, for every single person who will be hearing Father God, this, this, this video, this audio, this clip, we ask you, Lord, that every single word that, that, that was spoken today may administer to those who are hearing it, Father. Touch the minds, touch the hearts, touch the spirits, touch the souls, Father God. I pray for every marriage, Father God. I pray for every family out there. I pray for every business, every church, Father God. I ask you that, that we are declaring now in the name of Jesus, let 2022, Lord, be the year of the, of, of the Lord's favor, Father God, over their finances, over their marriages, over their house, over their family, Father God, and everything that you have placed in their hands. Let this be, Father God, the year of the Lord's favor. And I decree and declare, Father God, that whatever is dead may it resurrect, and whatever is sleeping may it arise, Father God. And we are trusting and believing that this year will be the year of the Lord's favor. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we thank you. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Castro. This has been Living 412. God bless.